Matthew, Mark, and John. They take time to establish the ministry of Jesus and who Jesus is. Mark, on the other hand, he dives right in. In fact, we've got our first miracle before chapter one even ends. And that's what we're looking at today here on Abounding Grace. Hi there. Welcome to the program. Pastor Chris Gordon has just started a marvelous journey through the book of Mark. We're in chapter one today, looking at verses 21 through 33 message that Pastor Chris has simply called the bondage breaker. And we are looking at the first miracle of Jesus recorded by Mark here in verse 21 and moving forward, healing a man with an unclean spirit. Let's catch up with Pastor Chris today, shall we? As we glean insights from this passage of scripture in Mark. Here he is now with today's Abounding Grace. Mark chapter one, Matthew Mark, second book. This is the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Excuse me. Have you come? What have you come to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. May the Lord bless the hearing of his word this morning. As we began uh, Mark's gospel a few weeks ago in our evening service, you will, if you were there, you will remember that upon his anointing and then the father saying, this is my uh, beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, He was cast out into the wilderness uh, to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. And the intention of Mark's gospel, moving as fast as it is uh, in these opening verses, was to make very clear right out of the gates that Jesus had defeated Satan himself in the wilderness. He had come to destroy the devil's works. This is the testimony of scripture. We'll look at that. And with his presence, the kingdom of God had come upon the earth, the rule of God in a very powerful way. Not in the ways that we look for the kingdom or the ways that we think the kingdom should come, but it is present and it's very powerful. That's that's Mark's gospel. And why that is so important this morning is now as we begin to really, uh, it took me a bit to get my head into this book, uh, to really transition and Uh, see what Mark is doing, we are really understanding here the intention of our Lord as he has started now his earthly ministry. John the Baptist, of course, uh, preparing the way, had made very serious calls out in the wilderness for people to repent and believe in him. He prepared the way for what was known as this time of the gospel. Mark uh, began that way. Uh, The beginning of the gospel, the time of fulfillment, the time of gospel refreshing has come that everyone all throughout history had looked for. 
But I want you to notice Jesus is so strong on this right at the beginning, calling people right out of the gates, his first words being, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. The time has come. The time of fulfillment is here. Jesus was commanding in Mark's gospel right out of the gates with urgency the necessity for repentance and faith. This being the inauguration of his kingdom coming that soon everything would be put under his feet. Everything. Uh, Hebrews says that, that God has put all things in subjection under his feet Yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to him. Revelation anticipates the day when it's all said and done. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. When he said the kingdom has come, he's pushing us to that. It's moving fast. That's Mark's intention. Now that leads us to where we are today in our study of Mark's gospel. Uh, After his introduction, immediately we are presented with this first scene, if you will, of now he is out. Uh, This is is Jesus' day. Uh, This is a day in the life of Jesus. (laughs) This is fascinating stuff to study. And he is out, and you'll notice here as he now, we enter into this first sort of scene, the kingdom has come with real power. In the scene before us, that I read in verses 21 to 28, Jesus is pulling back the curtains and he's showing us how the entire demonic kingdom of Satan reacts to his coming. That's really the intention up front here. He wants to pull back the curtains and show you how the kingdom of darkness, how the kingdom of Satan has reacted themselves, how they are reacting to his coming. And all of that has the goal of showing for us how much power and how much authority he has. The time has come. His presence has opened the gates of heaven. This is why he's calling people to repent and believe. But in this short moment of time, and it's a short moment, he has come to subdue, for because he has come to subdue forever all of those who have not submitted to him and not believed in him, he is showing us That judgment's reality, the coming judgment and its reality. So Mark is is, is through this initial event, showing us the demonic realm's response, and he's challenging us as human beings made in the image of God, he's challenging us as to our response to his coming. That's the intention of this. The, The initial call being repent and believe, it's challenging us to ask the question, have you repented and believed? That that is so clearly the intention in this. He's challenging us to that question because now is the time. It's the moment of gospel refreshing that all of history looked for in, in fulfillment. There is one word that dominates this section and it is the word authority. In fact, I had initially titled my sermon, He Came as One with Authority. Authority. He is using that authority again to impress the intention of repentance and faith. And you'll notice that here, that that's demonstrated authority in his teaching and then in the demonstration as he frees this man and then, of course, 
his call to people to accept and receive and believe in that authority in true faith. Let's look at this. In verse 21, we read that they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Capernaum was a flourishing community of traders and merchants and, of course, a booming fishing industry. Remember what we looked at last time with the fishing and the Romans having confiscated 200 fishing boats about this time. In fact, they believe they found with some certainty the house of Peter in Capernaum. It seems that Jesus made his home here uh, many times staying in Capernaum and even lived for a time in the house of Peter. The public ministry of Mark's gospel begins here. It begins here. But what is specifically noted in this one is that it begins in the synagogue. Fascinating. We begin in the synagogue. The Jews had established a network of synagogues Uh, all throughout the various cities throughout Palestine. The temple was still obviously the center of their worship in the major feasts. We see that. But, but, But when it came to sort of routine Sabbath worship, the people would, just kind of like the church today, attend various synagogues in their cities for worship. And here, as they have, these synagogues are are all spread throughout Palestine. Each town and village maybe would have several of these synagogues, the word meaning to to gather or assemble. It was the place of real common life among the people. Uh, They had schools there. They had meeting halls. They had courtrooms. Uh, Of course, the prime emphasis being it to be a place of worship. On the Sabbath, they would have services not unlike ours, as a matter of fact. They would begin their services with blessings. They would have prayers of response. They would read a passage from the Pentateuch. They would read a passage from the prophets. And then they would have a sort of sermon that the scribes gave, an exposition of it. Uh, It was then followed by a benediction. What was different, however, was known as the freedom of the synagogue. Uh, Anyone who was a ruler or rabbi was allowed, when recognized, to get up and stand up and deliver the homily, deliver the the sermon. Jesus' ministry begins in the synagogue. He enters the synagogue and he begins to teach. But something is said that drives this section. In verse 22 again, we read that they were astonished As he was teaching, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Now, we know from Matthew's gospel that was the reaction right after the Sermon on the Mount, too. They were astonished. They were uh, struck out of themselves. You, You could, if you were to sort of make it a plain way of saying it, they were blown out of their minds when they heard him teach. They'd never heard anything like it. Mark says it came with real authority. Mark is impressing uh, this upon us as he now transitions initially. And his goal here is to show you that this authority and this power had a great effect on the kingdom of darkness and the demon. Lo and behold, Mark wants you to see that the preaching of the gospel threw the kingdom of Satan into absolute chaos. Absolute chaos. Uh, What we find 
which is interesting, is that a demon had been hanging around the synagogue. A demon was sitting and hanging and and influencing the synagogue. As Jesus is preaching, the demon is listening to this. I don't think he visually recognized Jesus. This was a common thing where they would get up and they would speak. Jesus is clothed in our humanity. Uh, You know he had become one of us. He had taken on a human nature. There was nothing outwardly glorious about him when they looked at him. It makes it really powerful because here comes the Son of God and as he's preaching the gospel, he starts doing that, the preaching of the gospel with authority, he is getting into the hearts and lives of people with this. And this has caused a problem. Uh, When that happens, you 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 can just get the imagery from Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. Bones are sitting there, Bones are rattling and flesh is coming on them. I mean, this is the fulfillment. That's exactly what's going on. And this is the most alarming phenomenon for the kingdom of Satan. In fact, what Mark wants to show you is that they fall apart at this. Think about it. The Son of God has just uh, defeated Satan himself out in the wilderness. That's where Mark started. And now he has just put down, he has just taken out, he just handled the devil in the desert. No one in history has done that. (laughs) No one. Everything's thrown up. Dirt is kicked up everywhere. And now Jesus starts teaching. Now Jesus starts preaching and runs into one of Satan's positioned demons in the synagogue. Uh, Jesus steps into the synagogue and as he's listening this demon to the word of God, It's the word that shakes him up. It is the word of Jesus Christ that utterly shakes him up. As he hears that word, and as he sees that word beginning to overtake hearts, in other words, he's seeing the response. Nothing has ever been done like this. Nothing has ever been heard like this in the synagogue. He loses control. And he enters into somebody. This is a battle for hearts, remember. And using this man's vocal cords, we read in verse 23 that this man in whom the demon had entered cried out saying, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Demons aren't noisy. No demon, no false teacher ever yells out and says, Here I am, you know. They don't do that. Satan, uh, 1 Corinthians tells us that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And so he has ministers who are his own ministers who appear as ministers of righteousness. And let me tell you, they quietly do their job and they're good at it. It's fascinating as Jesus is preaching, he starts screaming. I, I mean, you have to feel that in the middle of the synagogue. We've never had that in here. None of you better do that. I know ministers in whom that's happened to. One day it'll happen. Somebody's going to get up and challenge. I pray not from this body, but somebody, you know. This was different. This was directly a demon. And he, the word that Mark chose chose here is really powerful. He screeches out with the loudest scream he can give through that man's vocal cords in the midst of Jesus' sermon. 
I know who you are. Imagine? Screeching out. It's about as bad of an interruption as you could ever get preaching your sermon. The demon is listening to the words of Christ. He hears what's happening. He's observing the response. It's like when Paul preached and he could perceive that a man listening to him had the faith to be healed. You know when people are with you and when people are checked out. Jesus has them all. He is getting into their hearts. He is building the kingdom. Remember we looked at last time? Into the hearts of the people. And, And if he is overtaking hearts, now you have a demon who's panicked, leaping into a heart to battle over that heart. Now here's what I'm getting. He hears this kind of preaching. He hears this kind of authority. He hears gospel. Notice that's what Mark's telling us he's preaching. He hears grace. And he has no ability to control himself. None. He can't control himself. He can't contain himself. He shrieks out recognizing what it is. Shrieks out. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. I know where you came from. Uh, Remember when certain people tried to cast out demons, uh, certain ministries in Acts, and uh, they were running around trying to do that in the name of Jesus. And remember what happened in Acts? That the demons in Acts said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but we don't know you. And they leaped on them. Remember that? Those ministries were under the darkness. They knew. The demons leaped on those ministers because they did not come with the authority of Christ. They were not sent by Christ. The ministry of Jesus came with such power and such authority because it was time for judgment to begin. Here's my question. Here's my question. How long had the people been coming up to the synagogue to worship? They got in their synagogue clothes They kept coming up to the synagogue every single Sabbath. They heard the call to praise. They heard the Bible readings of the Old Testament. The scribes got up and they preached. Everyone went back home and nothing happened. How long? The demon had been assigned to this synagogue. We see this in Scripture that the devil is done this. Daniel shows that. Demons are assigned places. He had stationed one of his demons at this synagogue and he was perfectly content with the worship of the people. Isn't that something? He was content. He never shrieked out before. He was content with what they were hearing. He was content with how it was going. And I stop and I think, what in those stars were they getting? Did you notice the contrast that Mark made? Jesus came to preach with authority, not as the scribes. The scribes were the primary teachers in Israel. Everyone went to the synagogue to hear the all-wise scribes uh, to supposedly explain the scriptures to them. R.C. Sproul said the scribes were like the PhDs in theology. Their opinions were accorded with great weight. 
by the scribes. So what they would do is that they would get up and they would give their interpretations, but it was nothing more than an academic exercise. I mean it. Uh, They did nothing but endlessly quote the other scribes. They loved to quote the other scribes. They were constantly after the approval of men. In fact, some of them had believed, but in John's gospel it said they would not confess Jesus because they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. If you ever read the Talmud, which is a collection of Jewish writings, they just ramble and dispute and ramble and dispute. William Henderson said it's as dry as dust. They were so disconnected from the people. They were endlessly training other scribes to be like this. Totally disconnected. Um, One of the biggest observations about the teaching of the scribes was that they wasted all their time on trivialities. Uh, The minutia. Nothing of it was beneficial to the spiritual life of the people. In fact, this is what burdened our Lord when He came uh, into the Jewish tight-knit community. It was a community tied to superimposed traditions of the law. And, and, and remember this, when uh, that was the concern, you, you hear Matthew 15 come out. The Pharisees and scribes came from, to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And you say, What? That's what you're concerned about? See how out of whack the priorities were? Aren't you concerned people are dying? Do you even believe in hell anymore? Aren't you concerned about that? Aren't you, or are you worried about debating the fine points of the law? It had become a self-righteous club no one could get into. Church leaders were in front saying, God, I thank you, I'm not like these other men out there. While the real problem of the people in back beating their chest over their sins wasn't getting handled. You know, people can get really comfortable in this. That's what amazes me. Isn't it something you could, you could come up to worship every Sunday uh, for years? You could go through the tradition of the elders for years, hear thousands of sermons. You could be the most religious people on the face of the earth. You could keep the tradition to a T. What does that tell you? There are certain ministries in the name of Jesus that have no power. Nothing ever gets to the conscience. And the people are fine with it. They did their synagogue duty. They put on their nice clothes. They headed out, had a great lunch. Great, we did church today. Mark says a demon was really pleased with that. In other words, the kind of ministry you would want to attend is one that the demon would never want to stay quiet about. And it's not in the things that we value or the things that we think that make the demons screech out. A demon would love a church with no reverence for holiness, no one taking, t- taking much seriously about anything, uh, a church looking like the world. Uh, the message is everything's fine. You guys are all doing great. Good job. Demon would love that because the heart of your need is not being addressed. You think Jesus would be telling people if he were here today how to manage their finances? Think that would be his priority? You think Jesus would be out today giving steps to this to have a great life? This night, your soul may be required of you. It's on his mind. 
Now that helps us to understand the ministry of Jesus, doesn't it? You have been listening to Pastor Chris Gordon here today on Abounding Grace. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about who we are. Well, you're more than welcome to visit our website, agradio.org. That's agradio.org. If you have questions, well, address them to questions at agradio.org, and we'll have Pastor Chris answer them as best we can. We may even put it on the air. Again, agradio.org or call 888-504-8805. Now, at that website, you will also find a few links to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Follow us on any of those platforms that you frequently visit. And again, you can also listen to past programs as you visit agradio.org. And then come back and join us next time as we continue our studies in God's Word, abounding in grace. Until then, God bless. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.